Achievers, Lynn Benton, Roadrunners, and any other new guests, welcome to another episode of the Chi Alpha After Hours podcast, where we take a closer look at what it means to follow Jesus on the college campus. This week, we continue our series on how to not just survive, but thrive in college, as we cover topics that we hope will be helpful and beneficial to you as you begin and re-enter college life this year. Your hosts today are again Anna, Christian, and Nathan, and we are so excited to tackle the topic of confrontation, why it's important, and how to do it well. We hope these thoughts will assist you in conversations with people in your dorm or apartment, your family, or any other relationships you may need a little TLC for. So buckle up, let's learn how to confront people with care and how to receive confrontation well as we learn to love those around us well. So Christian and Nathan, I think we could all agree this topic of confrontation is scary and it's not only important, but it's also vital to healthy human interaction. So I think it's important to start with this question of having us share a story where we were confronted. How did that go and what did you learn and why was it hard? So I remember I, my sophomore year of college, I moved into a apartment, Buchanan Towers, 709. So I, I waited to get, I thought I'm going to transfer colleges. I don't like it here or whatever, which wasn't true. I really liked it, but I was like, uh, I'm going to transfer. So I just didn't get a roommate or whatever. So all my friends ended up having great roommates and they lived in the same dorm. But then I ended up picking this one roommate who all the other people didn't get this guy because this guy went through, he had, um, so he had a, a dorm with two roommates and in the one year, my freshman year, he had like went through four, like people moved out on him because he was really hard to live with. And he had no takers coming into the next year. Like he wanted to, we actually, he wanted to live in room 809. So we were going to move into room 809. And I was like, well, hey, I could use a roommate, and uh, could I live with you? And he's like, yeah, sure. And um, and then I found a guy in my comm class who ended up becoming a really great um, long-term friend named Evan Van Mersbergen. Um, try to say that nine times fast, <laughs> Evan Van Mersbergen. I just was like forever. I was like, don't tell me what how to say your name because I just that Dutchness. Just I'm just gonna say it like Laska Bluskin or something. You know, I'm just gonna keep going. So, but anyway, so. Me and Evan, we move in, and we live with this guy in um, room 809. And I'm there. Within um, 48 hours of living with this guy, we're having like a mediation conference with our, our RA on our floor, wow. our resident advisor, because um, I offered to make um, dinner for everybody. And so I did, and I, and I worked hard, I made it, you know, and I felt good. It was not very, I mean, it was just college dinner, you know, it, was, it wasn't like impressive, but I made dinner in our dorm and then I didn't do the dishes cause I was like, oh, I made dinner, you know? Um, and then he just like blows up on me. Like, dude, God, there's so many dishes and it's like, I made you dinner or whatever, you know? So, but he, he just blew up and he had this, he was confronting me, just angry and all year long, like that year was full of confrontations and hard things you know but um but in particular like he was really upset with um the fact that I hadn't done the dishes and so um and actually you know the thing was is I we hadn't talked about who would do the dishes you know I offered to 
make dinner. And then I just assumed other people would do them, you know. And, and actually what that ended up, like I felt like the Lord really said to me, you know, if this is the best thing that you can do right now is just every time you use a dish, you just clean it right away. And now that's basically been like a maximum of my life now forever. It's like whenever I just mess up a dish, I, I just do it. I clean it. And um, But like, you know, using that confrontation, that kind of explosive moment where we're like we're yelling at each other, we're frustrated, you know, we had to get the RA to mediate, you know. It was kind of embarrassing. It was like really within the first two days of living together that we just had this huge thing. Um, but by just trying to hear you know where he's coming from and then just saying hey i just want to make sure that he can't do he can't uh, hold something against me in the future i mean he wasn't a christian guy you know so trying to be self-protective in a sense or trying to like protect the image of jesus some like just saying well i'm just always going to do my dishes now like and um so some so i wouldn't even have called that like necessarily 100 percent fair like the confrontation that was there but um but just kind of owning, like, uh, sure, there was something bad that happened, but I'm just, uh, he's perceiving it. And so because he's perceiving it, I'm going to try harder, you know? Um, so yeah, so that's one story I have there. Yeah. So for me, this is a little bit of a smaller one, but it really struck a chord with me when I was a freshman in college, I had gone through a total of three roommates. First quarter was, um, my original roommate, she ended up moving out. Um, it was fine. She just wanted to live in a different dorm space. Um, the second year, I was my only roommate. I had this huge dorm room all to myself. And the third year, I had a friend of a friend move in with me. And she, her brother came to visit her and um, to see our dorm room. And so I was like, well, okay, well, she's not here right now. She's hanging out with her brother. Her bed isn't made. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make her bed for her so that her space looks cleaner and nicer. Oh, man. Um, yeah, you can probably see where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I was being really thoughtful and, you know, caring about like, oh, her brother's coming. Like, I want her space to look nice. Well, she comes back and to show her brother the dorm room and then... Uh, I end up going on a hike with the two of them and we come back and the next day she's like, hey, Anna. I was like, yeah. And she was like, um, so I felt like it was really disrespectful that you made my bed. And I was like, oh, oh my goodness. I'm sorry. I was just trying to be helpful. And she was just like, yeah, it just made me feel that you thought I was messy or being messy. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But I was also a little frustrated because I was like, I was just trying to help. Um, and so that was just a smaller thing in college, but it made me realize that it's important to ask questions. Um, so it hurt that I wasn't recognized necessarily for my helpfulness and my heart behind it. Um, a lot of times we don't know people's hearts behind heart behind things. Um, but she, she and I talked about it a little bit more and I just, I under, I understood, um, started to understand where she was coming from. I think what's hard too about these things is like, you know, like they're like sometimes like a lot of the confrontation, like sometimes it's like something like, like kind of what you were talking about or even like what I was talking about. There's like kind of this nebulous, you're like, 
going with people's opinions of each other, like people's perceptions. And so sometimes it's like the confrontation can just be about like, you know, hey, I our relationship, this is hurting me in our relationship, or I feel hurt by this, or it can be something that's just really relationally, I don't know, I guess ambiguous. Like you could you could have made somebody else's bed and they would have been like, hey, that was so nice of you. Oh, mm-hmm. I meant to do that. Um, but you made her bed and she was upset about it, you know, and there's not necessarily like a right or wrong thing there. It's just that just happens, you know, and so there's like kind of this personality difference. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes too confrontation can be like you see something that somebody's doing that's like self-destructive or you see somebody doing something that's morally wrong or they're hurting somebody else or um, you think that, you know, they're disrespecting God, you know, so. Um, and then I think, you know, it's like, it's hard in either case to like, just gather the courage, like feeling like, uh, I think when it's like our personalities or opinions, it's a little easier because like I can authoritatively say my opinion, my feelings were hurt. But like when we're talking about like morals or something, it's like, oh, uh, I'm kind of like going off of God's authority or I'm, I'm kind of taking on an authority and saying this thing is is not going well. And so I think that's one thing that makes confrontation particularly hard. Mm-hmm. For me, like, um, this is a number of years ago, I had this mentor, and we really struggled to, like, make sense to one another. Like, we really just did not think in a, very, in a similar way at all. Um, and about, I don't know, a number of months into... Um, him being my mentor, I uh, he I was sitting and talking with him, and he said something to me that was like, Nathan, I feel like you haven't been teachable like the entire time that I've known you. Um, and I was like, went wide eyed because I was like, I've been trying to like connect with you for like three or four months, mm. and I was like really really struggling because I was like. And, like, I I kind of understood some of his perspective with it, where, like, I can be, like, very, like, opinionated about my, about philosophy and things like that. And I can end up challenging people's ideas and stuff when really I'm just in conversation. And I don't know if he necessarily interpreted it that way. And so, um... I think I kind of started to understand later, but it was actually a really, really big challenge for me because I was like, remember thinking like early on, like, hey, I'm trying to learn how to be faithful. I'm trying to learn how to be like, that was actually the word that I think the Lord had given me in that season was like, hey, Nathan, be faithful. And so when he said that to me, it was like a challenge to like, had I been faithful, had I been actually trying and putting in an effort? And the reality of it was, was like, I, this is my perspective is like the two of us really just made no sense to one another. And despite effort on both of our parts, like we were not making those efforts were not being seen or recognized. And then it just kind of came to a head one day. And so, yeah, Yeah. that was one time I was being confronted. Yeah. It was a pretty, it was a rough day. I was like questioning my identity and things like that. So it was a rough day. I think that's the hard thing about confrontation is sometimes and often it happens 
at the biggest point of your, I don't know, frustrations or um, misunderstandings, it kind of comes to a head. And I think that's where importance of consistent communication and speaking about things sooner rather than later is important. Um, But in those times where you don't really realize that you needed to have a conversation about something, those bigger confrontations can happen, like Christian and and his roommate or me and my roommate. I think she brought it up the next day or a few days later, and I was really thankful. I'm glad she wasn't holding a grudge against me for, you know, a month and then finally brought it up. Um, so there's that that challenge there that can also be um, really important to to jump into those those conversations. But it's hard. It's scary. Neat. So um, let's move on to the next question. What does God and the Bible say about confrontation? Yeah. So I mean, actually, a lot of the Bible is confrontation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean so i mean and that's not just like the new Testament. i think people think in particular like like paul a lot like writes a lot of confrontative things if you think about jesus yeah. he says a lot of confrontative things to either religious leaders or to his disciples or he's a lot of times he's confronting things um the prophets a lot mm-hmm. in the old oh, testament true. it's like true. so much is confrontation mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, basically all of it <laughs> all of it you know like and you can even you could even say like a number of like the historical books are all about <laughs> the series of confrontations mm-hmm. you know and so between god and between and god and the people yeah. judges is mm. moses like you know you just <laughs> yeah. think about man the bible is i mean the book of revelation for goodness sakes is like <laughs> the final confrontation you know it's like yeah there's all these confrontations in the Bible, you know? And so, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of examples of confrontations in the Bible and clearly God confronts a lot. And I think one thing, so, so the Bible says a number of things, but I think one thing I just want to note from all those stories is that confrontation is about, um, is, it should be about care Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because the truth is, is like God cares about us so much that he confronts us and actually you know when you think of a like maybe the right way to interpret a lot of like the the wrathful things in the old testament is actually their their ways of god communicating that we should change you know like you think about like pharaoh and and god that God talks to Pharaoh and he says, you know, he tells Moses, let the people go. And then he says, no. And so he gives a plague and the plagues grow in severity, right? They don't start with the most severe one. Mm -hmm. They start with ones that are less severe. Um, But um, each plague is an opportunity for Pharaoh to admit he's wrong and to let the people go. And so actually, these things that God does are like what people say is afflictions or his wrath. Actually, the right way to interpret those is like God is confronting us because he cares and he's giving us an opportunity to change. Mm-hmm. And so that's all of the Bible. Whenever you see God confronting people, it's it's always in, a, in an effort to like show them, hey, the path you're on is actually destructive. I'm just allowing you to see 
how this is going to play out, you know, and I'm giving you like little glimpses, but I want you to come back around and I don't want you to have um, these moments. You know, I think about like Paul, Paul, you know, he was confronted by God and he was knocked off of his horse. He was trying to, at the time, this is in, I think it was Acts 8, Acts 9, um, Paul was on his way to go persecute the church. His name was Saul at the time. And he was um, get rounding up Christians, and sometimes they were killing them or they were imprisoning them. They were beating them. And Paul was really on this zealous mission, and, and God knocks him off his horse, and he says, why do you persecute me? I mean, this is just straight confrontation. Like, why are you persecuting me? And he made him blind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eventually he, you know, he, God gave Paul some directions. He sent him a prophet. And then the scales fell off of his eyes um, and he was able to see again. But you imagine if Paul wouldn't have taken that um, direction, if he wouldn't have listened to God, he would have continued in a spiritual blindness. Mm-hmm. So this was like a statement of like, right now you're, you're blind and you would have continued blind. So, so I think the first thing just to note is like that God really cares about us. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about? Um, do you guys have any thoughts? Other thoughts of confrontation in the Bible? I think. Um, I think one thing I would say about like there, the Bible is basically just full of confrontation. It's literally all over the place. Um, I mean, even in the Garden of Eden, uh, God, uh, uh, Adam and Eve hide themselves, and then. Yeah. They're like, well, you know, um, they hide themselves and they clothe themselves. And they're like, oh, we were ashamed because we were naked. And he's like, who who told you that you were <coughs> naked? There's this confrontational tone to it. It's like, yeah. wait, what happened? And why? Wait, you did this? And there's a very, very confrontational aspect to the Bible on the whole. Um, and so one thing I would say from that is, one, Christianity is not about avoidance. Yeah. Mm. Um, like living according to God's will is not about avoiding confrontation. It's actually about like doing confrontation well um, and in proper time and things like that. The second thing is I would say, you know, there's a very wide cultural um, belief, I think, in the United, in uh, the U.S. in particular, that Jesus was just so nice yeah. and that he didn't really confront anybody. You are definitely not reading the same gospel that I'm reading. Yeah. Um, you know, he confronts Pharisees, he whips at people in the temple, he confronts sinners. Like in some ways, like there's two kinds of confrontation, I think, that Jesus employs. He he goes to Zacchaeus' house to, in a way, confront him. But the con- confrontation is a different, of a different kind, I think. The rich young ruler, he says that he had a love for the rich young ruler, but he yeah. confronts him. He's like, hey, you are not following God. You're following your wealth. Yeah. The tone can look different in confrontation, but like it can also be quite, um, we'll say, vigorous. Intense. <laughs> yeah. um, and so like one, it's like, don't, don't think that Jesus is simply, you know, this pacifistic, like always like kind of dodging confrontation. There are times where he like, you know, he flees people that are trying to stone him. But why does he do that? It says specifically that it was not his time. And so he's like, there's a point where I'm going to have the conf- this confrontation. There's a time that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to submit to it. 
That's which is really powerful. I'm going to submit to the confrontation the world wants to have with me. Mm-hmm. But for the time being, I'm going to confront the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, it's this weird difference between peace, like or what we think of as peace, like like godly peace is not necessarily devoid of conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, like we think about peace, like oh, don't rock the boat, don't mm-hmm. interject something. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I just want mm-hmm. everything to be peaceful between us. But, you know, Jesus says a real peace, like the word shalom, it actually means like wholeness or wellness. It's it's not, it's like complete. It's not devoid of conflict. It just means like things are, are, are well, things are, mm-hmm. things are whole. And, and like you're saying, you know, we have this perception that, that peace means that there's no fighting or there's no mm-hmm. conflict or there's no rubbing of shoulder. Like everyone's just in harmony, like a, like a machine or something like that. Like. But that's not what God wants. He wants relationships and relationships at points. There's going to be some tension, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's going to be confrontation. And, and that doesn't mean that just because there's confrontation that there's not peace, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like one of the things I think I really agree with Christian about is like there's two types of confront. There's two other types of confrontation, I think. There's one confrontation in which it's like I am instituting my morality over this situation, which is really about like, I just want you to know that I'm superior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm going to exact my frustrations on you that you have instigated in, on me. I'm going to uh, make sure that you know that you are in the wrong, things like that. Then there's a second form of confrontation, which uh, which Christian actually brings up and is throughout the Bible is like, I'm going to confront you in the hope of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's a statement of like, hey, I want you to know this, this hurt, like hurt me. You have transgressed in a way and I'm not. Yes, in some ways, I am like towering over you in a way, if that makes sense. I am towering over you in a way, but it's not to keep you under me. It's so that you can be with me. And so when we go into confrontation, um, when we go into confrontation, like there has to be like this desire and hope for the other to be with us not to create distance. So like a lot of political, I would say political discourse (coughs) is built around like, Hey, let's, let's ensure that we know that we're different. Mm -hmm. Like that's the tone. That's the language. It's divisive. Whereas Christ and God is more about like, Hey, yeah, like I want you to know how we're different, but let's come together. That's the goal reconciliation is the idea that God wants. It's like, Oh, he wants us to be reconciled to one another. So, um, yeah. So like, it's, it's just really important when we're, when we're confronting other people to be mindful. It's like, Hey, am I just in a frenzy? Mm -hmm. Am I just frustrated? And I'm going to communicate my frustration or am I, um, uh, or am I like, hey, there's something good that I want for this person, and it may not benefit me directly. Actually, it may not be. Um, I've I, times that I've confronted people, and it's like, I'm not going to gain anything from this, actually. But the kingdom of God is going to gain something from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. 
Yeah, I think I think the theme that I hear from both Christian and Nathan, what they're saying is that God in his beauty and goodness is confronting evil. And so this image I got in my head while Nathan was talking was like this image of, man, we all have those parts of us that are selfish and that need to be touched by the Lord. And God can bring friends into our lives and people that are willing to verbally poke at those things or verbally help us bring out the shovel and dig out, start to slowly or quickly dig out those things in us. Um, And so I think I see this, this theme throughout the Bible of God seeing evil from the very beginning or seeing darkness, seeing something that's not meant to be there. And he's coming in and he's saying, using words and, um, and bringing those things out into the light. Um, and darkness cannot survive in the light. And um, I, that's what I found is like whenever I'm confronted about something, those dark things in me come out in the light and then that gives them a place to dissolve. So something that um, people might be wondering is, is there a formula on how to confront well? Maybe someone is that's listening or one of us um, is maybe feeling like we need to have a conversation soon. Um, is there a, a specific formula on how to confront someone well? What do you guys think? Um, yeah, I think, I think there is, I think there's, there's a pretty clear formula and actually the Bible, like, you know, Jesus actually gives us a formula. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're going to turn there in a sec, but one thing that Jesus is assuming is that you have a sense of like, there's like kind of this reflective process that he's assuming before he even talks about like, you know, he's going to talk about like if your brother has sinned against you or if you've sinned against your brother, you know, that you need to have this kind of a a process of talking through things. Um, But he's assuming that there's kind of this reflective process before. And, and so just like before we dive into that, a couple things about, you know, this process is one, it's just important that you have a lot of humility. Mm. Um, I think like when we think about confrontation, I think a couple things like there's this, um, this, this fight between control and care. You know, I, I hope that you've heard, like, that really, like, godly confrontation is about trying to reconcile and bring health to another person. And so I, so many of my confrontations that I've had in my head with people have been like, I'm going to show that person. They're going to feel so stupid after I, you know, whatever. Like, I want to put them in their place. Mm-hmm. That isn't godly confrontation. Mm-hmm. Godly confrontation isn't about making somebody feel alienated, defeated, destroyed, and which honestly is the primary form of conflict in our culture right now is to belittle somebody and make them know that they're wrong. And and we even kind of want them to stay wrong and defeated in that closet instead of the idea of like bringing somebody into light. And so the, our tone even matters. So we have to, we have to approach things humbly with the, the goal of like this reconciliation, like um, like Nathan said, the other thing is like that. I think, I think too, we can be like really, you know, when, when, once you start doing conflict, like, like I started doing it. And then like, I remember when I was dating Ramona, 
I had like a list of 10 things every week that I was like, well, she said this to me and that really bothered me. And when I say really, I meant like it kind of bothered me. I don't like her doing that. So I remember I would always have a running list of like six or seven things in my mind that I need to bring Mm -hmm. up with Ramona while we're dating. And that's a really exhausting relationship. You know, if you're like trying to micromanage another person's life, um, we had a, a name for that, me and my roommate, Evan. Actually, he coined the name. He called it a decna. Hmm. A decna. So, like, say you're, like, standing at Starbucks, right? And then somebody, like, just steps in front of you and then, like, they take your spot, you know? Are you going to be like, hey, get out of here. Scram. I was, like, here in line. Like, get behind me, you know? Satan, you know? Like, you, you're going to do that at Starbucks? You're probably not. You're probably going to be like, oh, I hate it when people cut in line. But... Is it worth, is it a big enough deal that you're going to let your spirit get worked up about it? Is it, sometimes we have to examine like, is this slight, is the slight or the the thing that they've done that's wrong, is it really worth it? And that's what he would call a deck now. You'd say, oh yeah, they they took the last chip and that was my chip, you know? Like, so I mean, you just kind of got to let, you have to let stuff go, you know? And that's what we call a deck now. So how how is it serious enough or is it just kind of like it's kind of minor so i think that's important so you don't become the morality police or something um but then you also need to think through is it like about preferences Mm -hmm. is it like is this an opinion that i'm having or is this like a real godly issue and if it is a preference it doesn't mean that you don't confront it because maybe you're in a relationship like you know like Anna's, Anna's um, roommate, you know, she preferred that Anna didn't make her bed, but what Anna did wasn't like morally wrong, but it was still good that she talked to her, you know? So, so we need to know like, oh, am I, is this a moral issue or is this like, this is just kind of my opinions. This is my preferences. We need to do some examination. Like this is preferences. Is this actually something about this other person's character? And, you know, with that, we need to know, is this person a Christian or are they not a Christian? And if they're not a Christian, then honestly, we can't really, I mean, God might call us to confront something and maybe that will be the beginning of them growing closer to the Lord. So we should be open to that. But we just shouldn't have an expectation that they're going to follow the same, our same moral code if they don't know Jesus. So, but if they do know Jesus, then um, then we need to do this this method of confronting um, that uh, that Jesus talks about. He talks about it in Matthew eighteen, Matthew eighteen verse fifteen. I'm just going to read it. Is that okay? Go for it. Okay. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So the main point there is like that there's this process of, you know, we just need to honor the person's like, like, we need to let the person know personally first that there's a process of like, you know, you know, pretty often when Nathan bothers me, you know, um, what I do is I go pretty and talk often. to pretty often when yeah. he, when he does all this stuff, like he steals my stuff or whatever. I go, I go tell Anna and then I, Anna goes and tells hope. And then 
then eventually all of us just like beat up Nathan. You know, like that's like yeah, that's op- pretty much Friday before service. Friday before <laughs> service. I mean, that's like the opposite kind of thing. It's like you JK, know, we're just kidding. Yeah, the the idea of like you know perpetuating rumors or something. But like if you see somebody, you know, like either a preference thing or like somebody's doing really something that the Lord doesn't isn't honoring to the Lord, then we need to like go personally that person. If if we see that, you know, somebody's got a drinking problem or we're concerned about the way somebody's treating their girlfriend or boyfriend, like we need to go personally to them and humbly talk to them and um and and start there. Um, you know, uh, we, we don't want to start with a whole committee. We don't want to gang up, you know, mm-hmm. but if they don't listen, then we need to show them it's serious by bringing in one other person. And, you know, that might be like an elder or a pastor or a Corfa or, you know, somebody who's got a little more, I guess, spiritual cloud or somebody who, who somebody perceives as like, whoa, this is an authority here. And, um, and then if they don't listen, then you, then you get a larger group of people on you. You say, "Hey, we're we're giving you another chance here. We want you to lie. We want you to follow the Lord." And at that point, then we need to. It doesn't say to necessarily give up on them, but it says to treat them as if they don't follow Jesus, as if they're an outsider. So again, I don't think that necessarily means like a hundred percent cutting off that relationship all the time. But what it does mean is, I don't see them as one of us. Mm-hmm. And so um, do you guys have any thoughts about any of those things? I think um, one thing I would say is um, most of the confrontation we do is kind of uh, like one-to-one situations. Do you mean as a staff team or do you mean? No, no, no. Just like people in general. I would say people in general or one-to-one or that kind of gossiping Mm -hmm. frustration, which I admit that there is healthy venting. There's like healthy like processing with someone else. Okay, I do believe that exists. Um, however, like, there's a very fine line between like, hey, I'm just like spreading rumors and like just vocalizing myself because I'm really just um, having this confrontation with someone else so that they will be mad at the same person I'm mad at. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So. There's like, hey, how do I do this? How, like, I don't know what I'm feeling. I'm trying to get through, figure out my feelings. I'm trying to figure out, like, how to talk to this person, like, what the next step is, things like that. That is all good, I would say. Um, but, yeah, the, but then there's that phase of, like, hey, we're just, I'm just passing the anger along and I'm casting this person in a ill light. But one of the things I think, but oftentimes in these one-to-one confrontations, I think, well, I've often had them, and I think I can misconceive them as like only having implications between myself and the other. But really, I think one of the reasons why that passage of scripture actually says, hey, bring others into this as part of the process is to communicate like your decisions affects multiple people. It doesn't affect just one person. Um, You know, I think about with a child, with a child. So when kids are really young, you know, um, they're like, uh, you know, 
Christian's kids who are wonderful and adorable and they're great, but like some of his kids will like ask for things and they'll just be like, Nathan. <laughs> and then Christian or Ramona are like, you should use your nice voice. You should use, please, say please and things like that. And why do we do that? It's actually that one that is a form of confrontation. And one of the reasons Ramona and Christian do that with their kids and with many parents with their kids is because they understand that like polite speech has a wider impact on the community. My individual person, my individual child has the way that they conduct themselves will harm or benefit the whole, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like when we confront people about things So, like, one thing I talk about with guys all the time is, like, um, pornography um, that a lot of guys struggle with. And some of them are like, well, it's not really hurting anyone. I was like, well, did you actually know that pornography actually shapes the way you think about women? Mm -hmm. And they're like... Or men. Or or men. Mm -hmm. Um, Or whatever, uh, whoever, whatever uh, type of person that you're watching. Like, it just reshapes how you think about that person. It actually teaches you to sexualize the people around you. And it's like, well, it's not really directly hurting. I was like, well, no, it is. Do you know how to like actually engage someone without those thoughts going through your head and stuff like that? And so confrontation, we can often be like, well, you're just hurting me. It's like, no, actually, are you possibly actually very likely this conduct that you're doing actually is impacting other people as well. Absolutely. Mm. And so uh, I think I've fallen into the belief. It's like, well, this hurt me. It's like, well, I also have to be thoughtful about like, how is this going to impact other people? So when I'm thinking about um, who might be a student leader, I think about like, how do they impact other people? Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to like help them with their conduct so that they can be leaders, but they need to be constructive members of the community it's not just about me and that other person. There's these wider implications. So that's my thought on that. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. My grandma, you know, she stopped going to church. Um, she follows Jesus now, you know, but she she stopped going to church because she was going to a Lutheran church for a long time in Yakima. But there was a, the one of the elders in the church, one of the really prominent wealthy people, every Sunday would walk down the, this aisle, the church aisle, um, with this woman, and they'd sit down together, and the whole church knew they were having an affair, and they were both married to other people. Mm. And the pastor never talked about it, and the congregation just knew it was happening. And it just soured my—it was like my grandma just thought, this—I don't, I don't think this stuff is very real. Like, and so she, she said the moral compass of the church wasn't significant. And so she stopped going, you know? And so like you're saying, it's like, well, isn't that just between those two people? Isn't just between the family? No, it's got this huger, wider implication, you know, Mm -hmm. like our relationships, our personal choices totally affect other people. And, um, that's confrontation is a, is a blessing not just to the individual. It is a blessing to that person, Mm -hmm. but it it is also about preserving the community as a whole. Mm -hmm. A helpful thing that uh, I've taught on this a couple times and a helpful thing that's just come to mind is um, 
there's this phrase that says care about their future. So caring about this person that you're talking to, their future, maybe their future husband, their future wife, their um, future kids, their um, their future career. I remember my mom telling me this story where she um, had a roommate in college and the roommate confronted her about um, my, just a lot of my mom's uh, words were talking about things she knew. Um, and so this gal confronted her and said basically, hey, you're not a know-it-all or you don't know it all. Mm-hmm. And that shaped my mom's parenting. It shaped her marriage. Um, just that one phrase that that her roommate said um, stuck with her and um, it, it impacted my life because then my mom didn't have this like high, like, oh, I know everything and I'm gonna teach you everything. There was a humility there um, that she was taught in college when she was, you know, in her early 20s. Um, and that's really carried through. Um, so I really mm-hmm. do think it's powerful yeah. and those things can mm-hmm. really affect generations. Mm-hmm. Um, just like when God confronted the Israelites, what we've been talking about at Chi Alpha so far this quarter. Yeah. Um, when God confronted the Israelites, it was like, man, this is going to have generational impact. And whether they choose to take these words of wisdom, these words of love, um, that's going to translate into these future children, these future um, parents and all, all that. So yeah. neat. Well, um, since we've been talking about this so far, I think it's really important uh, to cover this last question. Um, since we uh, are are hoping to grow as as people in Christ, um, or we're hoping to um, know how to love those around us better, um, in confronting, there's also, like we talked about in the beginning, we also can be confronted. Um, so this final question is, how can we receive confrontation well? So I the director of Chi Alpha. I'm <laughs> you like, sure are. Uh, I'm the boss, right? And I think a lot of times people think... Best boss ever. Oh, shucks, thanks. A lot of times people think, Man. well... <laughs> thanks. I <laughs> love that. So a lot of times people will think like, um, oh, you know, that the boss is confronting or whatever. I think, honestly, the best bosses or that if you really want to, like, like, uh, like if you really want to grow in any kind of leadership position, whether it's pastoring or anything, the difference between either good leaders or bad leaders, or even a fast way to become a leader is to, when somebody confronts you, or if somebody says like, oh, you failed at this, or any kind of thing that they're they're coming with some kind of correction, if you have the attitude of, hey, this is an opportunity for me to grow closer to God, or this is an opportunity for me to get better, Having that mentality instead of feeling attacked, like mm-hmm. recognizing, okay, there's whether or not this person is right or wrong or whether or not they're being fair, there's something being perceived. And this is an opportunity for me to grow and receive something. That that I've always found that to be the case. Sometimes someone's confronted me and it's totally wrong or like, yeah, that's not really true, you know. Um, 
then like then I just like I just say, well, well, thanks. Okay, I'm gonna really think about that. I really appreciate you bringing that up. Instead of, you're totally wrong. You know, it's like, I just like, oh, okay. And I just try to think like, what made that person have a perception? Um, you know that I I don't think I ever said this thing, or I don't think this is true. But they clearly have this perception, so it's worthwhile for me to apologize. But then I have to think what what led to that perception and it's an opportunity for me to change. So I think just having the humility and also thinking like, how can I, um, how can I, how can I grow from this? And, and also just taking it to the Lord always, because sometimes people are going to confront you and it'll be right. It'll be wrong. Like, you know, but if you take it to the Lord, he will show you, right. There's this prayer. Mm -hmm. King David says in Psalm 139, Lord, um, please, Look, search my heart and find any unpure and clean thing in me. And I think that kind of a prayer is just a prayer God loves and will answer. So, um, yeah. It's true. Yeah. There's all just one more thing there. Just This kind of got my thinking about it. The last question was, is there a formula for confronting? And, it, and this question was said, uh, how do you receive con confrontation? And I think that's helpful because it makes us think like, oh, I'm going to get, I'm probably going to get confronted. And one thing I meant to say earlier was it's always good to lead with a question hmm. instead of assuming, you know, instead of saying like, um, you know, like, like Nathan talked about his mentor saying, I don't find you to be very teachable. It probably would have been better to say, Nathan, do you consider yourself teachable? Mm -hmm. And then Nathan could have answered. And then the mentor could say, you know, my perception is, is like, I, I feel like I've been trying to teach you. And it's interesting that you say you are teachable because I, it hasn't been my experience. So am I perceiving something? You know, like it's always good to start, I think, with a question because what you're perceiving might not be, might be right. You know, it's, I just always think it's a good, gracious way to, to begin with something by exploring with a question. Mm -hmm. So, sorry, back to the question. Receiving confrontation well. Oh, that's great. I think on, on top of that, um, asking questions into when someone confronts you um so being thoughtful I'll say someone came to me is like Anna it really bothers me when you eat your food with your mouth open which that really bothers me uh when people do that so I'm using that <laughs> as an example like oh I didn't realize I was doing that um when when did you notice maybe like when did you notice that or um is there a specific context that Maybe this isn't a very good example. Hmm. Um, maybe if someone said, Anna, you said, you said this thing that really hurt me. And then being willing to ask into that. Not asking questions that are accusing them of, like Christian was saying, of some, that, that they're wrong, but asking questions to understand if you don't fully understand what that is. Um, and... And yeah, asking those questions right then and there. Yeah. Hmm. I think um, kind of answering our last question and this question, I would say that in most instances of confrontation, whether you're con like confronting or being confronted, like just using a lot of gentleness, employing a lot of gentleness. I think Paul mm -hmm. even recommends like, hey, when you 
confront someone. I don't know where it is, but when you confront someone, do it so gently. Um, and I also think that when I receive confrontation the best is when I like can catch like my frustrations that arise. So like, you know, even when people are just like being argumentative with me or something like that, like monitoring and watching, like how am I feeling in this moment? And like trying to manage that first and just like not reacting, if that makes sense and responding and like taking a breath and things like that to con to um to what's being con how you're being confronted so in the instance of uh in the instance that i told the story that i told earlier with that guy i i walked away and i was just kind of like i spent a lot of time just like i don't know what my response was to him in the moment but i remember walking away and just reflecting on it and like is this true is this actually true? And like, I spent a good chunk of a day or two, like really wrestling with, is it true? Like I can, I can actually ask the question instead of dismissing it and being like, well, they're wrong. Um, and ultimately I think it wasn't true. I, I really don't think it was true. Um, that's not to say I was doing it perfectly. Okay. Let's, uh, sure. <laughs> it's not to say I'm doing it perfectly, but I didn't think I had an attitude that was not willing to be taught if that makes sense and so like just being able to like it's okay to like step away from the conversation even like even admitting like you know i'm i'm feeling pretty frustrated I, like i'm i just kind of need some space to process it and think about it that's appropriate mm -hmm. um especially if the person's not good at doing confrontation like in the instance with the person that confronted me, I was like, wasn't a very good at confrontation. He wasn't very good at it. And like, it was probably better for me to like do it away from him. Whereas other people that have confronted me, I'm like, I can talk very freely, feel very free to like dialogue about it, be asked questions, ask questions and response and things like that. And really like work through it. But some people it's not. And it's like, okay, we're, well, I'm going to, step away, step back from that and it's it's totally appropriate and if you are confronting someone and they say hey i need some time to think about it it's like just that's okay yeah. it doesn't need to be resolved it's not probably going to be resolved in one conversation mm -hmm. um and so like it's it could be actually a very healthy thing and so pressing them on it might actually be unhelpful yeah. to the process of them understanding like, so, like, um, if you confront someone about something and you're just like, well, no, we need to talk about, we need to talk about this. It's like, well, no, maybe they're feeling a lot of stuff and they can't healthily talk about it in that moment. It's Sometimes like, okay. people need space. It's like, so, like, hey, yeah. well, okay, no, I totally understand. How about we, how about you just think about it? You can text me sometime, call me sometime, or we can talk about it next time we see each other, things like that. Yeah. Um, and I would say it's important in that moment to, like, bring it up again. The next time it's like hey like we talked about this i hope you're feeling better mm -hmm. yeah. like are you okay about talking about this now and so mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah. yeah i think i think too it's just we have this we have this prayer of kyle of in chi alpha that we really value it's called the, the prayer of saint francis and um it just really talks about having this kind of like peace sowing I uh, identity mm -hmm. or trying to have a life. So I look, I Google that. I'm encouraging you guys to Google that, like the prayer of St. Francis. But one of the lines that we really value is 
um, you know, I pray not to be consoled as much as to console. I seek to that I may understand, not so much as be understood. And so I think that that's kind of the the value because he he goes on to pray like, for it's in dying that we live. Mm-hmm. You know, the the Christian life is one that we believe by giving we receive by dying to ourselves we we truly live by seeking to understand others is actually how we're truly going to be understood and so there's this mystery of of giving that we're called to um and that you know that that this and this prayer is very much about healing it's about trying to be a healer in the world and so i just think that that's a good you know before you before you go confront somebody or you know when you're being confronted you should either read that prayer pray that prayer think that way because I think that would be a it's just good putting on the heart of Jesus mm-hmm. well I think that's it for today friends uh, feel free to email me with questions or topic ideas at ana at oregonstatexa.com and thanks for joining us today and know that we as your Chi Alpha pastors are committed to helping you through this roller coaster of fall quarter uh, so go ahead unbuckle your seatbelts and step out to see what God has in store for you and remember to confront with care. Mm-hmm.